There goes Hani Mukta. He's got Shackmore going down the middle. And Alex Wheel. And Sarajan Leal. Nashville with five on three. Mukta sets up Saric. Three now. That is Apple TV's call of the eventual game-winning goal for Nashville SC. Looked like it was not going to be in doubt. 3-0 the score at that point ended up being 3-2 over New England to set the boys in gold up for a chase. On decision day, they can play their way up a little bit higher in the standings with a win and some help. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who have brought you more coverage over more years than anybody else. I'm Wes Bowling. And I'm Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com. Tim, Nashville with a 3-2 win over New England, and boy, it was sorely needed. We just talked about the fact that it would be almost as good to lose 3-2 or 4-3 as it would be to win 1-0, just to get the goal scoring going again. Of course, we ignored the best-case scenario, which was a a five-goal combined game where Nashville actually wins. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, at halftime, a lot of Nashville fans would have taken a three goal combined game where Nashville eventually wins <laughs> sure. because they were leading three to nothing. But it is definitely uh, a situation where finally fans at uh, Geodis Park got their got their entertainment dollar for the amount of scoring that they were able to see. It's Nashville's first league win at Jodas Park since way back on July 1st over D.C. United. That's a bummer that casts a pall for just a second over the magnitude of the result. But it was their first win in five, um, going going back to that Sporting KC road victory. And Tim, it comes at a good time. Nashville still in seventh place, but now they've put themselves within shouting distance of New England, three points ahead in fifth. And of Atlanta, who goes to Cincinnati on decision day, there's an opportunity here for Nashville to look a little better in the final table. Yeah, and uh, it's something that Gary Smith was asked about uh, today. I can't remember uh, if it was our friend Ben Wright or our friend Valer Shabila who asked him. I just know it wasn't me. <laughs> um, who he, he basically said, um, you know, there are three teams and we are going to play one of those three. It seemed like he didn't really care where they finished in the final table. It's about whether you play Orlando, Philadelphia, or Columbus at the end of the day. And um, at this stage, uh, I think fans may have their personal preferences for for who they would like Nashville to play. But obviously, you would like to see this club finish uh, at fifth place. That would be the best case scenario as things stand right now. I think the priority is to set themselves up to go far in the playoffs. And, and hopefully, whichever of those three opponents they end up drawing, it's something that uh, allows them to do that. I have my preference with a qualifier later in the show. Uh, we're going to talk first about the New England win, then preview decision day and go a little deeper into these playoff stakes and, and talk preferred opponents if it matters. And I'm going to make the contention that the the opponent in the first round actually matters less because winning in the first round is not really the priority for this team. It's it's going deeper than that. And um, I'll, I'll talk about that. Uh, but first, Tim, ML Rose. Um, the ultimate, of course, in burgers, in soccer watching. And, uh, you know, as, as the regular season comes to a close, we have one more home match. Nashville guaranteed a, a home match in the playoffs in that three-game series. Nonetheless, the chance to start reflecting on the memories that we've made and that many have made at this wonderful restaurant, the 8th Avenue location, of course, what, 14 minutes and was it 36 seconds? So, I think it's 20. 20. I, I'll have to go yeah. back and look at my, my workouts. To, mm, but but it depends see, on the stoplight. So, <laughs> it depends on the stoplight. So we'll, I, I'm within the range, at least. You're a faster I'm a, walker sorry, than I am. I'm, I'm 
pro jaywalking. So, uh, well, on Eighth Avenue, do not listen. On Eighth <laughs> Avenue, good luck. You're a faster walker than me. We both walked a lot against each other on the soccer pitch, the media game, <laughs> years ago. A, co- um, a couple Lionel's Messi, are we? Lionel's Messi, it's right. So, but, but I mean, it's it's a special place, and not that it's going anywhere. But a soccer season goes somewhere and comes to its conclusion. A moment to reflect on just how wonderful this this castle of burger and beer goodness is. Yeah, and it's uh, we talk about this all the time, but it has been so exciting for us to to not only see people, uh, whether that's at a pregame before going to a Nashville SC game at Geodis Park, where they are going to walk in fourteen and twenty fourteen minutes and twenty seconds up that up that hill might actually make it take a little bit longer uh, going downhill. I, I picked up some speed, I think, but um, or or just having people go there before after games and send us pictures because it's something that yeah, we were very excited to not only have ML Rose be part of our soccer community, but ML Rose is, is excited to be part of the soccer community that we've helped cultivate here on National Soccer Club. Soccer community and college football community. ML Rose was the place that I've referenced before where I watched Tennessee's historic win over Alabama uh, last year that I wished wasn't historic because I wish we'd beat them more often and it was just <laughs> beating Alabama again, but we don't. It was the first time since 2006, since I was in school. Wow. Um, and there's a deal going on uh, this Saturday, actually, at ML Rose. This weekend, any of the four locations, the UT-Bama matchup is going to be on. So, number one, if you're a football fan, check it out. Number two, if you're a soccer fan, just word to the wise, there's going to be football happening uh, before the Nashville SC match, and maybe even a little bit during it, uh, but you're going to be at the match most likely. So that's going to be okay. So go beforehand, watch a little football, do your tailgate, come back afterward. And uh, in fact, if you happen to be near the Sylvan Park location uh, before you head out to Geodis Park uh, on Saturday, uh, the UT Alumni Association uh, is going to have its party at the Sylvan Park location. So I'm I'm divided here as to where I spend my Saturday. Do I <laughs> agonize the whole time at ML Rose or do I start at ML Rose, leave the second half for UT to squander and go ahead and go to Geodis Park? I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, you, what you should do is, is hit up a, an ML Rose crawl. To, to all the locations mm. um, you should even you should even visit the future uh home of the inglewood location to make sure you you uh complete the whole set uh, just randomly drinking in a parking lot <laughs> <of England. laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> excuse me sir can i have some waffle fries um i'm a bus driver are you getting on or are you getting off <laughs> uh, ml rose is the place to be i should mention it is national sports day on saturday and what a great day with the, the vols and, and crimson tide playing of course part of a great college football slate uh discussed on this college football podcast that we have and then nashville sc at uh, 5 p.m decision day it is going to be a rich day of sports and you should take in at least part of it at uh, ml rose any of those four locations going to have um, national sports day festivities all right so it was uh national sports night for nashville sc last weekend beating a new england team tim that obviously has seen better times this year without mm-hmm. manager Bruce Arena. And yet this team was at least somewhat game in the second half. Did you think Nashville might blow it once they went up 3 nothing, and the New England started storming back in? Or did you feel like those goals were more cosmetic in nature? Uh, the first one I certainly felt was cosmetic. And my opinion changed when Sean Kalai had a second second of the match. But, uh, you know, once the score got trimmed to 3-2, it didn't necessarily really feel like they were going to score. There were a few opportunities. There were a few shots. And Joe Willis did have to make a couple of saves, but it wasn't a situation where it really felt like New England was going to score. And certainly, given the fact that Nashville was was you know doing a little bit going the other direction too, it didn't feel like New England was more likely to score than Nashville was. So it was a, a fairly even um, you know matchup after that point. But uh, you would have preferred Nashville to continue dominating, of course. But 
um, it didn't it didn't necessarily feel like the outcome was was at that much risk. When was the last time Nashville SC put forth such a strong league performance, in your opinion? Um, it's been a while. <laughs> That's for sure. I think um, you probably have to go back to certainly before league's cup and that's far enough <laughs> that i that it's <laughs> it's it's been far too long it's something that um maybe the the uh the blowout victory over st louis um who at the time i think we had you know talked regularly about how i kind of thought they were a paper tiger at least mm-hmm. um but the results the results in their standing on the uh, western conference table which they are going to finish atop um kind of indicated otherwise it certainly was the most impressive looking and that's something that um, I think when you even see Nashville, you know, give up a couple of goals uh, with a depleted lineup too. Jacob Schaffelberg goes out, Walker Zimmerman goes out. They're both expected to be healthy for Saturday, but um, you know, you can you can look at some of the reasons that New England was able to come back and say, yeah, those those don't diminish what was a great Nashville performance. I th- I think you probably have to look at it and say, uh, on the on the balance, this was a, a good performance, but at, certainly not as good. Uh, as that one against St. Louis, even if if St. Louis is is not as good as the table makes them appear. Hey, yeah, I'd say St. Louis is the most recent. I'd point just a little bit before that, too, to that 3-1 win over Columbus that obviously has direct playoff implications. It's interesting now, Nashville lost at home to the top three teams in the Eastern Conference, Cincinnati, Orlando, and Philadelphia. It beat the next three, four, five, and six, Columbus, New England, and Atlanta United. And you go down the, the list, beat Montreal, beat DC, Red Bulls coming up next on decision day. But I mean, I think this is a, a home performance Nashville SC fans have been begging for. And they were also begging for goals from their new striker, Sam Surridge, who of course showed out in leagues cup action, but since then they've been quiet two goals in this one 30th minute and the 45th minute. What was the key in your opinion to setting him free? Uh, a big part of it was just that new England did not care to mark him on crosses. <laughs> um, he also had the Kobe assist on, on Dax McCarty's game yeah. opening goal too, because um, he was left alone in the box. And that's, that's how he found his first goal. Um, this, the second goal that surge scored, the third goal of the match was, was a moment of individual brilliance from his finish, but also Hani Mukhtar finding him in a, in a nice cross field pass kind of on the uh, transition opportunity there. I don't think that surge has, has been bad or has not been set free. It's, it's, uh, it will shock everyone to learn that it's kind of been a small sample size issue. The dude <laughs> hasn't played very many games. And, um, you know, if you don't uh, completely meet or exceed your expected goals over maybe a two or three game stretch, it doesn't mean that uh, you're a bad finisher or that you aren't going to um, kind of rebound in future matches. I think it was kind of a course correction. And it's just a situation where he was finally rewarded for the way he has been playing. Here is Nashville SC manager Gary Smith on the offensive uh, resurgence, at least for a night. We've had some conversations in here after the game that have been a little bit drab and understandably so. But 21 efforts, 10 on target, three goals. In all honesty, we could have extended that that lead and that goal-scoring tally. Um, I know the game in the end looked a little bit tighter than really it should have done, but in general, the performance was a bright one. It was a positive one. Absolutely fantastic to see Sam get a brace. Hanny looked back to his his usual self. Looked, you know, so inspired and creative. Um, brought a little bit more out of one or two others. And in the end, it's been a a very very positive night and a much needed one. 
It's definitely important for myself, I think, to have that confidence and when the team doesn't score, um, for, for me, I take it personally. I, I want to be on the score sheet. I want other strikers, other midfielders to be on the score sheet. And uh, if they're not, yeah, I definitely take it personally. So I think it's definitely something that I've, I've wanted to do in, in recent weeks. And yeah, it hasn't happened, but at the same time, you keep level-headed and I know we've got the quality to do so. So um, yeah, like you don't really listen to too much. Um, I think you just got to keep doing what you're doing and everyone backs their ability to, um, to do well. Tim, it was interesting. You look at the numbers here, and often when you're ahead 3-0, you're going to see the opponent then win possession, which New England did, no surprise. But, but maybe even the shot tally, trying to fight their way back, they didn't. Uh, the XG count, not even close. 3.36 expected goals for Nashville in this one to 0.75 for New England. That comes without a penalty kick, which is going to be about 0.75 usually. So it's a legit, like, substantive 3.36. Yeah. And I know we just talked about Sam Surridge. We heard Gary Smith's thoughts on Surridge. But do you have any other thoughts on on what Nashville SC did in its attack or maybe on the counter that, that maybe it can build on now as it faces a Red Bulls team that is a tough team to beat. Yeah, I think part of what they did was on the counter. It just felt like over and over again, whether it was um, Jacob Schaffelberg up the wing before he got injured or whether it was just Hani Mukhtar driving at the back line, like we talk about so frequently, <laughs> the way that Nashville <laughs> is at its best is when he's able to do that. He was able to do that a ton. The problem is that when you play against better teams and, and teams that haven't had a midseason coaching change, they can specifically scheme to take that away. And um, from that perspective, the fact that Surridge was such a menace in the box, again, most teams probably aren't going to leave him unmarked for headers on multiple occasions. But still, the fact that it's that it's kind of a, a change up to what Nashville's fastball is, which is Hani Mukhtar driving at the back line in transition a little bit is important. I think the fact that Red Bulls are such a press-oriented team is going to give Nashville a chance to get in transition. But Red Bulls also know, hey, we press a lot. We're going to give up transition moments. They are really good at, at stamping some of those out too. And it's going to be a real... It's not even going to be a chess match. It's just going to be a matter of who can execute what they know they are good at at a given moment. And it's, you know, it's inherently unpredictable. And this is one of those matchups where you aren't expecting either team to do something surprising tactically. It's just who goes out and, and takes care of business on the day. Yeah. When you play Red Bulls, it's not a chess match. It's not even a checkers match. It's taping the checkerboard. It's a, it's a rugby match. No, it's taping <laughs> the checkerboard up to the wall from 20 feet away and just throwing the pieces and hoping something sticks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it's like to play Red Bulls in a minute. Let, let's talk about the unique challenge of taking on a Red Bulls team that again, we're going to say it again in a minute, Nashville as he's never beaten, but first let's reset the playoff picture and talk about uh, Nashville's aspirations and current position. So the boys in gold again are in seventh place. They will not, they cannot finish any lower than that, but they can finish as high as fifth. And actually, Tim, it doesn't look incredibly unlikely that they would rise up the table. New England is three points ahead of them. Uh, they still have a goal differential of plus three. Uh, but if New England loses to, uh, at home against Philadelphia, which mm -hmm. I mean doesn't seem unlikely, and Nashville wins, then you just got an extra goal there to play with, essentially. Yeah. Somebody's got to win or lose by two. Um, and then uh, Nashville would pass New England. The first tiebreaker, by the way, is wins. They would equal each other on wins if Nashville won. They'd have the exact same record, in fact. Uh, they, 14, 10, and 10. They if, would, if indeed. If that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. So then it goes to um, two goal differential. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe goal scored would be the, the next one. Yeah. Which New England would right. have. Uh, but again, not entirely unlikely that, that Nashville passes New England. Philadelphia is a good team. They're good on the road. And New England is obviously suffering... Um, a drop in form since some major 
uh, transition at the top of their organization. The other team, Nashville can catch, is Atlanta. This one's even simpler, even more straightforward. Atlanta's just one point ahead of Nashville. So Nashville just needs to better Atlanta's result. Uh, Atlanta United play at Cincinnati. And as we discussed last week, it just kind of depends on what kind of Cincinnati you get. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's a, a motivated Cincy who wants to get some momentum heading into a, a bye stretch before they enter playoff competition, mm-hmm. watch out if they're resting Lucho and, and Pinza and, and all the all these players that have been so good for them. <laughs> uh, Atlanta's got something to play for here. They can also pass New England. Uh, tiebreaker situation there again. If wait, Nash- wait, 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 wait. I want to say something really quickly about that. Please, do you think in. they would? Do you think they would rest Lucho when he's playing against Thiago Almada? This is an MVP off. This would be like uh, you know, a couple of years back, uh, Nashville playing New England when um, Carlos Hill uh, won. Uh, he was yeah. voted the league MVP. And, yeah. But if if Hani Mukhtar had had a chance to to play against him on decision day, do you think either either of the stars would have sat? I don't know. I, I, hey. Lucho is a guy who's who's fit enough, and, and Thiago Almada is also a guy who's fit enough that. I don't think the the coaches are going to worry about fatigue there. Um, when you look at Cincinnati, they don't want to get rusty because they are a team that has kind of ridden a wave of momentum and, and positive results have begat more positive results. I think they might go with a pretty strong lineup here. Yeah. The motivation factor is a different, <laughs> a different story for sure. Yeah, I think it, number one, depends on how strong Pat Noonan's um, resistance is to uh, Lucho's pleas to play. Because I'm sure Lucho wants to play. If he's healthy, mm-hmm. he wants to play. I mean, I think it's a situation, you make a good point, where you set, you say you got 45 to 60 minutes, go crazy, go ham, and then you are getting the freak out of the game no matter how well you're <laughs> playing or how how this game is going. I don't mind that. I don't mind a showcase game. I'm, I'm a fan of the Atlanta Braves. It's a very different sport, and I'm still devastated <laughs> that the Braves struggled in the playoffs, I think partially because their hitters lost their rhythm sitting for almost a week. Uh, your rhythm matters. It matters to attacking players as much as anything, and uh, maybe they do try to to maintain Lucho's um, rhythm, momentum, mojo, all those feelings, ball terms. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think either way, there's a chance that this Atlanta team concedes some cheap goals on the road and loses. <laughs> and uh, if there is a, a, a tie in points here, that is if Atlanta loses and Nashville draws, then Atlanta is going to get the tiebreaker um, unless they lose, unless Atlanta loses like five, nothing or something like that. Actually exactly five, nothing. Um, it has to be six because six, they six definitely nothing. have the goal scored times nothing. They have oh, by twenty-five goals. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Good call. So, <laughs> so essentially, Nashville Nashville wins. Atlanta doesn't. Nashville passes Atlanta. That's the simplest <laughs> way that you can look at that. So that's what Nashville can do. But Tim, what should they do? What do they want to do here? You mentioned Gary Smith's looking at the three possible opponents: Orlando, Philadelphia, Columbus. Is there a team they'd rather play here? Uh, I think among those three, that I mean, obviously, uh, those are two, three, and four in the Eastern Conference. They are three pretty good teams. Um, I think in a playoff situation, you want to play against the team that has fewer obvious stars, and that's kind of a, a truism that I don't know if it if it actually holds true. I haven't run the numbers on it. <laughs> I am going to feelings ball it right now because I I trust people who have feelings balled it before and and just say this: if you have the best player on the pitch, you are going to to have a better chance than the team that is a solid team, but doesn't have the best player on the pitch. Um, Orlando and Philadelphia don't have necessarily that one talismanic star in a way that Columbus does. But I would say that Philadelphia is a team that scares me more because they, the, the whole is so much more than the sum of the parts. Yeah. So for that reason, I think Col- Columbus and Philly are the ones that I would prefer to avoid the most. 
and that leaves Orlando, which is, has been the best of the three. So it's there are no easy answers here, but I think that's um, you know by by a hair I would pick Orlando. And Orlando, who's beaten you know three teams in top nine position in their last three games, including Nashville in Nashville, and yet that's the answer I have too. I think for who the team wants to play as well. I think that Gary Smith and this club want to take another shot at Oscar Pereja. Yeah, some revenge there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Gary expressed some frustration with the way Orlando closed out that match against Nashville. There's obviously a feeling of injustice there, the way that Orlando's goal was scored, uh, being Mm -hmm. offside pretty much assuredly. I think Orlando's that team, but I'm also going to say right now the point I previewed earlier, which is I'm not sure it matters too much because ultimately – you know, if, if this is an all or nothing equation, it's it's win two rounds of the playoffs or this season, in my view, is is fairly disappointing. So do you want to play Philadelphia first or second? <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> the way you want to and, and yeah. just a reminder of the format. Well, of that, I mean, you do you do have more games against the team you play in the first round because only the first round is a best of three. Yes. So if you if you trust yourself to lose one game to Philadelphia, but win a series against Philadelphia. It's a different equation than, um, you know, if you trust yourself to win one game against Orlando, but don't trust yourself over a three game haul. That is a, a slight, it's a weird quirk of the, of yeah. the playoff format. Yeah. It might actually play out kind of cool. I'm a little skeptical of it, but <laughs> it is something to think about more games against the team that you end up drawing in the first round too. And and because you're the lower seed, you'd have two road matches in that situation. Just a reminder of how Nashville did against each of those teams on the road. Uh, Philadelphia, that scoreless draw, you know, again, that we all probably could have put some money on when Gary Smith yeah. really wants that scoreless <laughs> draw, he can get it. Uh, Columbus back in late June, a two nil loss. And then Nashville and Orlando, uh, it was a win for Nashville. It was early in the season. We're talking like spring break time, the two nothing win for Nashville where they outplayed that Orlando team. I don't know if you can look back at April 1st and say, yeah, we really have confidence in our ability to go down there when we did that. Checks or was watch. it, Six or was it ago. merely an April fool? It, well, the April fool was Oscar Pereja, I would say, and yeah. Facundo Torres for not scoring, but I don't know how much confidence you can truly yeah. draw the, the different league. The, the teams are different in April than they are in October. Nonetheless, I, I guess Orlando's the team I see is is the best matchup over three, mm-hmm. but again, I, I just I think we're overrating that for sure. I think you, you you do what you can against whoever you play, and you hope for some upsets because that second round opponent, if you make it, it's going to be season defining, and it's going to be brutal no matter who you play. Yeah, and uh, I you know people talk about how the the regular season doesn't really count because the playoffs are so big, and some of those sorts of factors. We're seeing why the regular season matters. People say, oh, well, if you're the ninth team, you still get into the playoffs. If you're the seventh team, um, you still get into the playoffs. But if Nashville had had won a couple more regular season games, they could be they could be hosting the uh, first and third legs of of the opening series. They would be playing a much worse team. Um, it's it's there are no easy options left on the table for Nashville. I think that's the the most fair way to put it. Um, however, you personally feel about the teams is uh, a situation that is that is again personal to to each fan or observer. A couple of questions in our mailbag, uh, and then we'll get into a, a Red Bulls preview. And uh, the first relates to a man that you could call a man of the match against New England. Hard to ignore the guy who has the breaks plus an assist, but Dax McCarty scored a goal. A banger, a McCarty banger, uh, old school Dax. And John Mueller asks, does Dax have one more season in him or is Saturday the end of an era? He says, please say he's back next year because Dax is great. If the era is over, Tim, 
regular season wise, then the era is already over because Dax yeah. is suspended due to yellow card accumulation. And rumor has it, according to his wife on Twitter, might end up actually watching the match in the supporter section. Yeah, um, man, that's that's going to be exciting for the supporters if Dax is there, <laughs> if Dax is there with them. But yeah, I think uh, to 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 get to the question itself, I would be pretty surprised. I feel like he was a lot better and more consistent this year than he was last year. And some of that is because um, he was able to be a bit more of a role player. Um, he was, he didn't have as, as many injuries, but he was, he was a healthy scratch a little bit or a healthy bench player, at least a little bit more frequently. And that played to his strength, which um, has historically been his, his uh, conditioning, but is, is probably no longer the case. He's a year or two younger than us. So I think, uh, <laughs> I think I can, I can say, I, I feel that Dax, I feel it, but um, <laughs> there's, there's no shame in that. I think there's there's more. Um, I don't know that for sure, but um, it, even if even if it is the end, um, you you know that man's getting two starts in the in the playoffs anyway. So yeah, he's earned it. And there will be one more home start. Yes, guaranteed. That that well, second game of the playoffs. guaranteed opportunity for that start, and, yeah. and hopefully he gets it. No, I'm guaranteeing it. I'm I, guaranteeing I, I, it. Guarantee. Okay, extra time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dax told us a couple years Domino. ago. <laughs> We're just gonna we're gonna make a lot of other <laughs> podcast references today. I think that's why he's here. Uh, Dax told us two years ago on this show that when he watched back film and didn't recognize the player that he saw and was quote embarrassed uh, by what he saw, it would be time to hang it up. I think we could both say that there were a few moments last year where he mm-hmm. looked less than himself. I'm not gonna say he should have been embarrassed. But I'm going to say he, he was not playing up to his standards. This year has been a resurgence. And I want to give credit to the staff for using him tactically in a way that I think lengthened his tenure. And, and I think yeah. could extend it by a year. And he said earlier this year, even, hey, there were moments when I wondered if this was it. He was saying that in a press conference talking about a resurgence of sorts that we've seen continue. I think they've used him wisely. They've worked him really well in this rotation and sitting him between the center backs a little further back and letting him be peer low and pick apart defenses and ping balls forward rather than being up in the action all the time. It's worked. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's played much better this year um, than he did last year. As I, as I previously said, the one thing to keep in mind is that um, he got a big raise uh, just a couple years back, but his contract ends after this season. I think based on what we know about Dax, he would probably be willing to come in at a lower budget hit. Um, I think that's something that he has kind of that team first mentality and uh, is very happy to remain in Nashville at this stage. So that's something to keep in mind too. If mm-hmm. you can get the Dax McCarty that you got this year on like $200,000, he would make more than that, but just throwing out a number to to make the point. Uh, that's something that any team in this league would, should, could do. Yeah. It gives him a little more time to make that choice between being a, a coach when he's done or being a broadcaster when he's done. He could do both. He could do both well, but might want to choose for the sake of, you know, time and sanity. Uh, and that, you know, MLS season pass money, probably pretty good for a former player jumping in there as a commentator. Uh, our, our good friend Clay Trainum reaches out. What are you going to order at the Pharma 200 Shindig at? And I'm going to redact the name of the place because it's not a sponsor, but there's a, there's a party going on. And I thought it was appropriate, Tim, to give a word of congrats to to our good friends over there, the pharmaceutical soccer team for their 200th episode coming up. Um, Clay, Valer, Steven, of course, you're a, a podcast host emeritus and we're around <laughs> for, for a lot of those early episodes as well. You know, a lot of voices in this market and we each kind of have something different to bring to the table. But when we talk about how we've, you know, covered the club longer than anyone in our respective disciplines, 
we did some math to calculate that, but these guys are right up there and, and have done a great job for years. And it's uh, it's it's cool to to have friends in this market who are just as passionate about covering this club as we are. Yeah, and to answer Clay's question, uh, a lovebird. <laughs> I will not name the brewery, but that's what I'll be having. I'll, people I'll can figure it a, out. <laughs> I'll go with a Thunder Ann uh, so that Nashville can then maybe, you know, show some thunder from beyond the 18 in the game itself. Um, yeah, good good group of guys who've done a great job covering this club. And Clay, to be honest with you, you reached out. I'm glad you did read your question. We were going to give some love either way to to the pharmaceutical crew for doing uh, just a great job and uh, serving up good medicine, if you will, uh, weekly for the Nashville SC audience now for 200 episodes. And because uh, we referenced names of beers that are local, Tim, maybe it's a good time to talk about how you could also get those beers whenever you want at ML Rose. Yeah, absolutely. And if they don't have them on draft at a given time, this is something that we don't talk about a lot. They have they have a big uh, can bottle repertoire yeah. at ML Rose as well. They have they have a ton of taps and, and we talk about draft beer all the time because I love it. I don't I don't know if you have a draft versus <laughs> versus packaged uh, preference, Wes, but I love draft beer. But um, if they don't have something that you specifically want, especially if it's something local, they will have it on on uh, in a bottle or, or in a can. More often than not, um, unless it's something super obscure, um, we talk a lot about how they have a great uh, drink menu, whether that's beers on draft, whether that is their cocktails, which we don't talk about all that much because I don't drink a ton of cocktails, but uh, we talk about their whiskeys. That's that's about as far as yep. we've gotten into the cocktail world. Sure but, do. Um, yeah, ML Rose has everything you could want as a uh, person who is who is trying to enjoy an, an evening with or or without or without uh, a drink by your side. Well, they're smart about how they do their their bottles and cans too. I, I prefer a draft, but I I love the variety you can cultivate. Right now, my favorite beer in the world, again, not a sponsor, so won't name what it is, but it is local, is not on draft at Mel Rose, but it's available in can, and it has been on draft for many years, at, you know, off and on. So I think they also do a good job, kind of filling those gaps, you know, and, and making sure that as they're bringing some some drafts into the equation, they're, the things they're rotating out are still available for you to enjoy. And that includes some breweries, honestly, I've never heard of. Like there was a brewery out of Knoxville that I'd never heard of and hadn't even seen in Knoxville, but I saw it here. Uh, and it was it was in can or bottle, I forget which, I think can. Um, they're so smart. They're so strategic with how they do that. And uh, and they are smart in that they educate their staff about it. They have beer training once a quarter, I believe it is, where employees come, they taste the beers, they talk about them, they develop their own preferences so that when a bartender or a server at ML Rose is telling you their opinion of a drink, it is their opinion. It's not just, oh, so-and-so doesn't like that. It's here's what I think. Here's how it tastes. Yeah, I heard I heard uh, that uh, that that's not good or that that is good. It's not what you're going to hear at ML Rose. You are no. going to hear that. I have tried that. I liked it. I have tried that. It has this interesting characteristic. Um, servers and, and bartenders are so knowledgeable there. And, and that quarterly uh, training is, is a big part of it. Since um, we both enjoy ML Rose, even though we have busy jobs, should we like, should we apply that beer training sounds fun? Can we get hired for like a week? Do Dude, beer training I, would, and quit? I would love to just quit the the rat race and go work at a bar. That'd be awesome. Those guys work their butts off and, and are just as yeah. busy as we are on a, on a busy day, but it would be so much fun in that atmosphere where they right. treat their people well and they treat their customers. Well, we go on and on. We could do a special ML Rose special episode, bonus episode, just talking about that place 
maybe even recorded at ML Rose offseason idea, banked it. All right. <laughs> uh, quick preview of New York Red Bulls. We talked a minute ago about Dax McCarty. He is out. He's out against his former team, again, because of yellow card accumulation. And this is a, a situation, this is a game where you, you probably would really like Dax to be around, right? A lot of these battles are going to be won in midfield. A lot of one-on-ones, you need a savvy player to get those second balls and go the other way. Nashville's traditionally struggled to do that against Red Bulls. Yeah, the Red Bull is is designed to either force you to be absolute technicians. I think that's one of the reasons, among the many reasons, but one of the reasons that New York City FC has chosen to play the way they do is because their rival is is designed to force you to do that. And they're like, hey, let's be good at it. Or you have to go over the top, which is actually what Red Bulls want you to do. But Nashville is pretty good at that. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Gary Smith did say Jacob Schaffelberg, uh Although his injury against New England looked scary, should be good to go. That speed, yeah. Fafa Picot's speed, obviously the the combination of size and speed that Sam Surridge brings, those are the sorts of things that allow you to play the way Red Bull wants you to play, <laughs> but still find success against them. And I think that's yeah. where Nashville uh, is going to have to go if they want to get their first ever victory against the Rebels. That's it, right? You have to play the Red Bulls game, and they're usually going to play it better than you. But Nashville can be direct, and they can get it done on the counter. Um, why has Nashville never beaten Red Bulls though? What is it that's just kept them from that success when you think this is a team that shares a lot of elements of the Red Bull identity? Not every element, but a lot of them. They have Alex Mwil, Sean Davis, Dax McCarty. What's the deal? Uh, low N. <laughs> it is, is part of it is just yeah. a small sample size, but uh, part of it is is that Nashville um has has not been able to play the game that Red Bull wants them to play well. Um, some of that is you just need to have an absolute finisher as your striker. Um, that has not been the case for Nashville all the time. CJ Sapong had had stretches where he was that guy. If you only have a couple opportunities against Red Bulls, uh, you need somebody who's more consistently that guy than CJ Sapong probably. Um, and we love CJ on this podcast, yep. former guest of the pod, of course. But um, you have to hope that Sam Surridge is the guy that allows you to play direct or that you can tiki-taka your way through New York Red Bulls. Nashville is not going to tiki-taka their way around the field a lot. They're far less likely to do it without Dax McCarty in the lineup. Sean Davis just doesn't have quite the same amount of precision that Dax does. So I think that going up top is the way they have to do it, and and they just haven't had the horses to do it. And now, hopefully, uh, knock on wood, they do. Ben Vreeland asked the question just now in the mailbag that I think relates to this. Uh, do we have enough data by now to determine how to play more confidently through the middle? Is it personnel, opponent playing style? But you just said, in this game at least, that's, yeah. you know, according to opponent playing style, you just don't. So I guess I'll ask it more broadly. <laughs> it, you know, if Nashville yeah. is playing a team that has a more traditional approach to the, yeah. the game of soccer, is there a best practice, <laughs> personnel tactics that you see that would help Nashville be a little more loose there? Yeah, I think I think some of the issue is just that that's not how Nashville is built to play, and and they don't play that way by design. They have good midfielders. They don't have midfielders that are going to go out and be, um, you know, impossible to get off the ball. They don't have a Darlington Nagby, and they are not designed to be a team that has a Darlington Nagby. It is at times a conscious choice. Um, some of that is because um, the midfielders who can do that are very, very expensive players. And it's not necessarily <laughs> a money ball way to, to yeah. build yourself in the league. Uh, to throw back to another former guest of the pod, first two-time guest of the pod, I believe, Mike Jacobs. But um, it's 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 not the way Nashville wants to play. If an opponent is going to let them play through the middle, they can do it and they will do it very well. But if a team's going to press the midfielders, if a team is going to give up 
space in the middle of the field. Nashville doesn't want to necessarily have to combine and, and take their time there. They want to get in mm-hmm. transition or they want to play long to the wings. It's a choice that they've made and and the personnel that they have acquired to allow them to uh, succeed in the choice that they have made. This Red Bulls team is playing well and they're desperate. They've lost just once in their last six. They won at Cincinnati for what that's worth. The team's kind of on cruise control, but three wins in those last six, just one loss. And they're desperate, Tim. This is a team that right now is uh, tied on points with a DC team guaranteed to be eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> but Red that's Bulls sad. need at least a point and maybe three to keep a playoff streak alive that dates back more than a decade. So, you know, you could be playing a lot of teams on decision day, at least in terms of a team with stakes. This is not a team you really want to see. Yeah, I don't know if they're on 13 years or if this would make it 13 years, but that's a run that I think Nashville SC fans would be ecstatic <laughs> to, to on their replicate. way on their way. Yeah. But but with with the motivation that Red Bull is going to have because they do have to uh, draw to have a chance. And I believe that I think they have to win. I'm pretty sure they have to win looking at mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the other the other uh, games around the league. Yeah, um, because Chicago and New York play each other. So there's yeah. the, the Charlotte's. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, it, it it's you don't want to play them in that situation motivation wise. I think the way Red Bulls play, they always play the Red Bull game and they play it to the maximum. So I don't think in terms of, of play style or the way it affects you as their opponent, the amount of motivation. Fortunately, it isn't, this is not a team that is that is affected that much by the amount of motivation. Um, I guess they could come out and, and sluggishly execute their press, but you don't see them do that regardless of their motivation. No. So no. I, I think uh, fortunately, there are teams that you don't want to play when they're motivated. Red Bulls, it doesn't change what they do. They're, they're pretty good no matter what. Well said. Uh, we've got just a couple minutes left here. Let's talk U.S. men's national team for just a minute. 4-0 win over Ghana right down the street here at Jodis Park. Your reflections on a dominant night. Was the U.S. that good? Was Ghana just that bad or, and unmotivated? Yeah, I don't think they were unmotivated. And um, I was surprised watching the broadcast. They said that I think eight or seven or eight of the players who started for Ghana had started at least one World Cup game. So this was not like a C team either. No. It was basically the A team for the U.S. You could say that there are a personnel, uh, you know, decision away here and there, maybe at center back, if a Walker Zimmerman were fully healthy and rested and all those sorts of things and called in for that camp, it would have been nice for him to play in his hometown. (laughs) But it is a situation where I think Ghana just didn't have the the horses that Nashville has, as I, as I have now uh, called Sam Surge a horse. And I have called all of of the United States and Ghana teams horses as well. Um, But it's, it was a Jimmy's and Joe's match and, and and the U S had, had the Jimmy's and Joe's and, and the, and the flows, I guess, is <laughs> because he he looks like the real deal. So it's just, uh, just it was a better U.S. team beating a Ghana team that they had a couple key mistakes, and that's the nature of a of a low trials, high variance game is that you're going to get a penalty kick, and that changes the complete tenor mm-hmm. of the match. But the U.S. was better from from whistle to whistle, and I think that's the the main takeaway for me. Hope many of you were able to go and hit ML Rose beforehand or after. Great to have uh, the U.S. Men's national team in town playing the kind of games that um, that we wanted here at Jodis Park when we got Jodis Park. Next up, let's get a women's team. Um, let's get some more big national team matches and let's continue to show up and, uh, and try to elevate our profile to do so. Tim, anything else before we get out and get ready for decision day? 
No, I just want to say as the regular season is is about to come to an end, it will be over by the time you hear from us again. I want to say thank you to everybody who has who has shared, rated, reviewed, subscribed, mm-hmm. all those things that we ask you to do every week. Thank you to everybody who who has done it. And um, even if you haven't done any of those things, thank you for listening. And it, it does mean a lot to us. Uh, it would mean even more to us if you rate, review, subscribe and go to ML Rose. But hey, I can't be greedy. The community is the best part. I will be greedy and continue to court those those relationships with each of you, whether it is through rating, reviewing, subscribing, or hit, just hitting us up on Twitter and letting us know that you listen. Many of you ask mailbag questions regularly. Keep it up. That's awesome. If you've never asked one, you never reached out, do it. At West Bowling TN, at Club Country USA, just let us know you listen. And uh, let us know if there's anything you want us to discuss as we're getting toward the offseason already, but the season hitting its climax first. This has been Club and Country. Thanks to 440 Sports, Moon Taxi, and ML Rose. We will talk to you after the regular season.